0: there's still a good portion of the year left. There's still a month and a half to two months of of school. And they really need to continue to engage those students. And, and there's still lots of, of content to teach. This is where we love the idea of introducing financial literacy at that kind of K through eight state and doing it in, in ways that are fun and, and really engaging to both the, the student and the teacher. And if it translates to the home, fantastic or, or after school or, or really whenever we, we wanted to create a tool that could be done in, in a, a car ride up to vacation or, or in after school care.
1: Hello and welcome to Sense of Responsibility. I'm Alec Lindenauer, a certified financial planning professional, husband, and chief allowance officer to two daughters. I'm also the creator of the sense of responsibility tools and how-to instruction parents need to raise their children into financially literate, money-savvy adults, even if they don't know much about finance themselves.
0: I'm Julie Franz, a chef-entrepreneur at heart, wife and mother of two middle school children. I also curate the Sense of Responsibility community, so parents have a forum to ask questions, share success stories, and discuss their journeys. As a financial newbie myself, I'm also cultivating our group support system to help carve out my own family's path toward financial literacy.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to How to Teach Your Kids About Money. I'm excited today to introduce you to Jessica Pelletier. Jessica is the executive director of Fit Money, which is a nonprofit dedicated to the financial literacy of children, K through 12. Talk about a shared mission. If you don't know Fit Money, that's okay, because we're going to change that today. And they might already be in your kid's school, so they might know it even if you don't. And amongst a great many other things, Fit Money creates money learning coursework for kids and teaches the educator exactly how to implement it. So welcome, Jessica. I'm happy to have you here today.
0: Thanks, Alec. I love being here and I love what you guys do. So thanks for having having me on.
1: Excellent. All right. So Jessica, I just gave, I just boiled everything that you do down to one sentence. So that was super, super That's simple. It, I'm done. Right. I can right. go. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what do people need to know about Fit Money and you also before we dig into a much more robust conversation about both?
0: Sure. Absolutely. And thank you so much again for giving me this opportunity. Fit Money is a nonprofit. We are serving teachers primarily, but also families and youth organizations with K through 12 financial literacy curriculum. So what does that mean? Basically, anyone who is able to teach children about money, responsible behaviors around money, decision-making at the earliest age possible, we would love that to be five and even under, but at some point in elementary or middle school, we are giving them the tools that they need to teach that. If they have a full class, 45, 50 minutes, we have the tools for them. If they've got, you know, five minutes or they wanna get their kids on what we call parent-approved screen time, we have tools for them as well.
1: So that's fit money, but why, what about you? And why is this your life's work? You could do a great deal of many things. Why is it this?
0: Yeah, so you know, I have been with Fit Money for this is my fourth year. I became introduced to the organization actually through my prior superintendent of my town, who is our board co-chair and one of the founding board members. I'm a mom. I have a 12 and a nine month old. Nine months oh my gosh, a nine year old. It's like old. wow. <laughs> That's quite a gap. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, Twelve and nine years. I'm really okay. dating myself. And, you know, I see how they have had a relationship with money for such a long time. They watch what we do. Kids are obviously sponges at such a young age of learning by watching the grownups in their the community. And when I learned that this superintendent and, and some of her colleagues had created an organization specifically to bring financial literacy into schools, I just couldn't say yes fast enough. I do have a experience and a history working in nonprofits. Love the idea of kind of helping people and kind of earning your paycheck by really helping people and and education has always really spoken to me. So this was a a national, a natural fit for me.
1: So talk to us then about the state of financial literacy K through 12. And I'm really curious to know not just where we are, but Fit Money is seven years old. So Mm -hmm. what did financial education in schools look like then? What does it look like now? And what was their role in that evolution?
0: Sure. So we are physically located in Massachusetts. And when we started in 2016, 2017, we were really focused here up in Massachusetts. That's also where I live. We do not have a financial literacy requirement in Massachusetts. And there really wasn't a lot of talk about that back when, when Fit Money was founded. What is really exciting, and I don't exactly know why, I have a lot of guesses. I think the economy, the pandemic, there's been a lot more stress on people's financial health at home. And so we are seeing a great shift in the conversation. There are 17 states with four just as recently as last year that have now created a financial literacy graduation requirement, which is phenomenal. Because what that means is that those students in that state cannot graduate without getting some type of financial literacy education.
1: Right. This is high school, to be clear. This
0: is high school. Yes. Right. And here at Fit Money, we say that's actually a little too late, in our opinion, if you are just getting this for the very first time in your senior year. Jessica,
1: I think you're being kind and saying (laughs) it's a little too late.
0: A lot too late. Right. But well, you know what? Better. We'll take it. Well, t- it's yes. something, you yep. know, it's not when nothing. Absolutely. When they didn't yeah. have it before, we'll take it. We believe True. that you do need to start as early as kindergarten in your classroom setting. And then a little bit over time every year, you know, it's, it's like riding a bike. You don't get it the very first time that you hop on or for the very most of us that don't. So we are excited to be part of that conversation I have a neighbor to the north in New Hampshire and to the south in Rhode Island who have recently joined that number of 17, and then many other states across the country, Florida, Michigan, et cetera, who are recognizing the value of setting kids up for financial success.
1: I don't understand the argument for why we should not do this, because it seems like it should Goes to the legislature, legislature Mm -hmm. says yes, it's done. Or why should it even need to come to that? Right. Why don't we just approach the school system of each state and say, hey, do this? And they say, okay, yeah, great idea. Let's do this. I mean, two things. How does the system work? Like, why isn't this already in the school? And two, what is the opposition's case? What's their main point as far as saying, no, let's not do it?
0: You know, Alec, I have actually not seen much opposition. So I think
1: It that's is comforting. Good. I
0: mean, you know, you talk about this a lot as well. I'm sure you don't see people that say, "Oh, that you know what? That's not really that important." No one says to me, "Let's not do this," or "Or that's not important." In fact, the opposite. Everyone says, "I wish I had learned that in school," or "If only I had known this," or "Or you mean we're not teaching this?" I think, and I, and I respect this because I, like I said, I'm a parent. I see the the materials that come home from from my kids from their school day. There is already a lot that we are teaching. And so I think teachers are probably some of the busiest professionals on the planet. They've got a lot that they need to get into their days. And as we saw for the past couple of years, they had to do it in a completely different way, learning how to teach on Zoom or, or in this asynchronous world. So I think that's the, that is the barrier, is really just time. I don't think there's people out there that say we shouldn't teach this. I think everyone agrees that we should. And then secondly, I think what we see is that teachers themselves aren't really familiar with this topic. They didn't necessarily have it in their education. So if you take your traditional kind of history teacher, chances are he or she went to school, has a history degree, or at least a passion for that topic, and then perhaps got their master's or whatnot in education. But they didn't get, a personal finance degree. They're not CPAs. They're not finance majors. And so they, they feel somewhat with their hands tied behind their back because they now have to teach this and they've never had that topic themselves. So, so that's something we are trying to change. You know, fit Money, we provide a lot of professional development to teachers. There are other phenomenal nonprofits out there doing the same. Because if we can get them comfortable in this topic, then we have a much better chance of actually getting their buy-in and saying, you know what, this is important and and let's find the time.
1: Now, are you teaching them from the standpoint of, all right, we need to drastically improve your financial education, or are you teaching them to be comfortable with what they know because you really do know enough? We just have to reframe that and give you the confidence to talk about How do you make a budget? I mean, you don't Mm -hmm. have to be a CPA or a certified financial planner to make a budget. You just have to know, oh yeah, okay, I do this, this, and this.
0: Right. I mean, it's the basics. It's really starting at the basics. I mean, needs and wants are really important. And I think a lot of teachers could certainly explain that, but maybe they're not so confident in their own decisions. They might not be so thrilled with the way their budgets look. Some obviously do great at this. Credit scores and reputations, when you're talking about loans, perhaps they have more loans than they'd like because of their career choice or whatnot. I mean, you never know, obviously. And another thing is financial behavior is somewhat personal because it is so different for everyone. There are those foundational principles that we know, spend on your needs before your wants, but not everyone necessarily does that in the same way. So I think it is is something that they do need to learn how to teach. And also then just build that confidence that they are the right people to do it. There is a debate. Is this something that should be taught in the home? Or is this something that should be taught in the classroom? At Fit Money, we believe it's a real marriage of both, to be honest. Parents and caregivers are the ones from day one that are interacting with their children. And then it really needs to move over into the classroom to really ensure the most equitable access to this topic.
1: I couldn't agree more. I was speaking with Dr. Ashley LeBaron Black. She's a BYU professor and she's in the, the she's a BYU professor in family study. Mm-hmm. And she focuses on finances within the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. And she was saying a, a few things that were super interesting to me. One of which was that children learn more about money from their parents than they do from school, work experience, their peers, and mm-hmm. media combined one sense is shocking, but in the other makes total sense because they're with their parents for 18 straight years. Of course they're going to learn. It doesn't matter if you're teaching them or not, they're learning. So we know that. And then what we really dug into was this study that she completed last year, which was dissecting, okay, well, how do money savvy young adults learn about money best? Like what did their parents do that was the most effective? So lecturing, not that effective, modeling effective, but the most was providing experiential learning, you know, Whether it's through allowance or, you know, having a money day where you sit and talk and then they have ownership over money, like just give providing experiences. The conclusion that she came to was from an educational standpoint in classes to marry those things like you're saying, right? It's like this Venn diagram, most effective pieces in the middle that schools would benefit the most by integrating parents into the process. So you're in this, this school world, I'm, I'm kind of like on one end of the, of the Venn diagram, right? And I'm like all about the parents, but a lot of, because of what she's saying and what she believes, then you're operating in, in both spaces, but predominantly in the school. But how do we get those things to combine inside of the, the middle piece of, of that Venn diagram? How do we get parents involved at school and with the teacher?
0: That's such a great question. So we started as an organization that was servicing just those teachers, again, because we felt that the most equitable access was in a classroom. Think about all the parents out there that don't know, you know or don't feel confident in their financial literacy skills, You know, whether they're just, they didn't have it themselves or they're immigrants from other countries or there's the language barrier. There's a thousand reasons why parents don't feel comfortable talking about this at home and so we really wanted to equip teachers because they touch all, all students for the most part what we saw during covid especially and the pandemic is that children are learning well beyond the classroom almost as equally and in in the last couple of years sometimes even even more often so what we did is really create those those roadmaps for parents to come in All of our curriculum that goes to teachers has what we call a family conversation guide. And so this is meant to go home and to actually include that caregiver, that parent saying, here's what we learned today. These are the three questions that we went over. Here's some conversations that you can continue this learning at home. And then perhaps here's a fun exercise. And that starts all the way in kindergarten, all the way up through high school. We know that not as many things come home once the kids are older, but we still really encourage that. And like I said, during the pandemic, Fit Money created a game that's really meant to be played outside of class time, K through six, so kind of five through 12 years old. And we really do encourage parents to get involved, A, because it's fun and we think that learning does extend to them. But then it creates that dialogue and they see, as you said, that experiential learning I don't want to say it's easy because I don't in any way want to belittle this education, but I think sometimes parents make it too difficult thinking, right. well, I have to take out my mortgage statement or or I have to show my five-year-old my checkbook to, to really explain this. The contrary, that's actually not the way you would do it at such a young age. You would talk about those life experiences, going to the grocery store, explaining why you choose this over that. Or... Talking about borrowing, borrowing a friend's bicycle and how are we going to return it on time and in one piece, creating those behavioral aspects that eventually lead into a much more healthy relationship with money.
1: Remind me the name of the game?
0: Called The Super Squad.
1: Right, The Super Squad.
0: And that's available online and it's, it's free for any parent. We are actually now seeing teachers that want to integrate it into school which is really exciting for us, but it was really meant to be, kids are learning online, whether we like it or not, whether they're playing their games or they're actually using tools that their school is providing. So we wanted to meet them where they are.
1: So I played with the game. I went online and I, I had my daughter register and, and I used it. And I'm glad that you explained it more because what I was interpreting it as was sort of like an ready. So I don't know if iReady yeah. is used nationwide, but basically iReady is this supplemental. It's I, I I don't know want to I don't really want to call it a game. It's uh, it's I guess gamified right. learning to some yep. extent, right? That's so, it. And it's required at least here in Florida mm-hmm. because we have standardized standardized testing, and we wanted to make sure the kids can maintain a certain level. So the teachers would say, okay, for homework, everybody has to do iReady two point mm-hmm. six to two point seven or whatever. So I thought it was. That so you're saying it's not necessarily integrated into a classroom unless a teacher wants to. It's more for somebody at home.
0: It can be both. It isn't required anywhere. And one of the let's things, get it required. I, Jessica, I know, I know, Alex, <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, and here bringing us back to the beginning of our conversation about that high school graduation requirement again. That's a great. I look at that as the the bronze medal. But for us to really get to gold, you know, we do need to start talking about this in elementary because that's when. Your behaviors are, are formed. And so, you know, we, we have to start then. And so this is a really nice way to have that supplemental education that elementary teachers can use really wherever they need. You know, in Massachusetts, and I believe in, in many states, we have standardized testing. And so for a good portion of the year, teachers are really making sure that they know their math equations, they know their English, they know their science. But when those are over, certainly here in Massachusetts, which is very early May, there's still a good portion of the year left. There's still a month and a half to two months of, of school, and they really need to continue to engage those students, and, and there's still lots of, of content to teach. This is where we love the idea of introducing financial literacy at that kind of K through eight stage. And doing it in in ways that are fun and and really engaging to both the the student and the teacher and if it translates to the home fantastic or or after school or, or really whenever we we wanted to create a tool that could be done in in a, a car ride up to vacation or or in after school care
1: it's interesting i never read money books to my kids the Bernstein Bears or Berenstein, whatever you say, right? They had some sort of money book. And i was like, this is not very interesting. My kids are not going to like this. And I kind of did away with it yet. But I was always comfortable talking about money with my kids Mm -hmm. because that's just who I am. You know, a lot of people aren't, but that's who I am. It was really a financial educator, Rob Phelan on one of these podcast episodes. And he talked about it. He totally reframed it for me where he said, look, it's Not necessarily then for you, Alec, but there are parents who aren't comfortable having this conversation and they normalize it now in nursery school and in kindergarten Mm -hmm. and first grade. It's a normalized conversation for them. A lot of people need that. And I was like, oh my God, of course it doesn't, even if the child isn't learning about money or they are, they aren't. It's so much for the parents in the relationship. So I can certainly see again, what you're seeing, what you're saying about this, it reframes that a little bit for me as well. If somebody can do it together with their child, it normalizes that conversation.
0: Right. And if it helps them, I mean, their parent or the teacher or kind of whatever adult is in the life of that child, I look at them sometimes as our, our secondary beneficiary. I mean, it's important for all of us to, to get reminded on why we make certain decisions. We think about kind of our what we call our smart spending module. And it's a lot about advertising. Not necessarily a bad thing, you know, I will right. say, Fit Money really works hard to be very unbiased, wh- even when we just did a a module on kind of buy now, pay later. And we don't want to come out and say this is good or this is bad, but we just want to empower our students with the knowledge of here's what pros this and is. cons,
1: right? Here's pros what and this cons. is, yeah, and totally.
0: before you utilize this product, understand who's making money and when they are. So we do that with with advertising. You know, why do you need to have that? set of speakers, that sneakers, exactly those ones. Well, I can tell you why. And it's okay if you still want to, want to do that. You make that decision, but you should know why you're making that decision. So that's a lot of what we educate on. And again, starting at the young age, because kids especially are bombarded with advertising. I mean, you're a parent. How many times does your kid say, I need to have this? And you've never even heard of it before. And you're wondering, Where did you learn about this? Well, guess what? They learned about it, whether it's on the television, on the iPad, they've got it and now they want to have it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Going back to what you were saying a moment ago about the curriculum and you said, you know, the standardized testing. As a parent, and I'm sure you're concerned about this, I mean, I've been concerned about this for a long time. It's like the whole teach to the test. Mm -hmm. Just teach my child to be a good human, right? But they're teaching to the test. So just far too often are, are they doing that? Maybe we need to just change the test. If they're not going to come, come our way, maybe we need to just get a personal finance section on the test so they just start teaching to that. Would, would that be a quicker route?
0: I would love that. I mean, I, I understand measurement. We're a nonprofit. We are completely philanthropically funded. So you better believe that the people who give us their hard-earned treasure, whether it's a grant or a donation, ask us. How many people are we impacting? How do you measure success? So I understand measurement. That's part of my job as executive director of a nonprofit. And so I completely understand why schools have to do the same. They have to measure whether their efforts are are working. Are they actually educating kids? And so I get that. So there actually is some conversation in my state, and we are, are hopeful that we can get more of that life skills which i really think this falls into there Absolutely. is a lot more being made about even career exploration at a younger age because waiting until that junior senior year of kind of deciding what path you want to is is proving late and we've got a lot of kids in college now who are incredibly stressed that they don't have the tools to make these important life decisions so i think understanding that we do just need to Prepare our students for very strong life skills at a much earlier age, and if that means putting it on a test and that that will get it in the classroom, I think I'm all for that.
1: All right. So, what can parents do? What can we do to further the cause? I know what we could do in our own home. Talk a lot about that, but what can we do at our school or our local level?
0: We get a lot of calls from PTO residents or or members. I get emails from just a parent who perhaps like you is more comfortable talking about this at home and so they want to make sure that they are are getting this in the classroom and and so that more kids have have access to it if it's not something that the school can do right away again we are now providing tools for parents themselves to get this into their home after school groups we've seen especially with the pandemic Children are spending a lot more time at their kind of youth organizations, whether they're the local Boys and Girls Clubs, the YMCAs, even their, you know, fun activities, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, et cetera. Those are all great places to learn as well. If I I may, we recently formed a phenomenal partnership with the Girl Scouts, which is one of the largest organizations for entrepreneurship kind of training for young women. And financial literacy is a big part of that. And so we provide great kind of curriculum tools for them to earn financial literacy badges starting as early as kindergarten. And so the more exposure that we can get to this topic, the more that we can make money not such a scary or a taboo topic. Again, as I've said, we don't have to walk around with our paychecks plastered to our forehead. You know, that's still not gonna really ever be appropriate. But we can talk about You know, what's the importance of a credit score and responsible borrowing and and spending habits, things like that, that is just so important.
1: So, Jessica, take us into your dining room. What are you doing at home? What does money teaching look like to your 12 and 9-year-old?
0: Well, it's so funny. So Fit Money spent about a year and a half on this super squad. So you can better believe that I have two Very, very strong pilot users in my, in my living room, (laughs) but you know, it's so funny. I love, I love talking about my kids for a lot of reasons. So both raised in the same home. They're not that far apart in age, but they could not be further apart when it comes to their money behaviors. My older one who is 12 is the adamant saver. He will save every dollar that he either earns or gets from birthdays and special events for very specific thought out long term goals. And I love that and I think that's phenomenal. And then I have my 9 year old who will spend $2 if he earns one. And I don't know where that came from, but he is the person that just gets that gift card and immediately wants to go online and find something whether he really wants it or not. And you know both you can see pros and cons for and you know, what's important is let's talk about experiential, because I really think there's no better way to learn. So if I Absolutely. can, an anecdote. So my younger son got a birthday gift card and immediately wanted to go on Amazon to find something. And I had a feeling that he was going to pick something that he didn't really want because there was, you know, nothing that he had kind of been talked about for a long time. And that's exactly what happened. He found this toy, asked me to buy it. I knew that this was not something that he really was gonna enjoy for a long period of time, but I had to let him go through this, this feeling. So we did, we, we bought it, it was $15. So I also knew that this was not incredibly detrimental to his kind of long-term saving. And it's exactly what I thought was what happened. It came, that excitement of the, the arrival. And then within 48 hours, it had just kind of been forgotten about. And I was so proud of him because I think the conversations that we've had, he actually unprompted came to me a week later and said, mom, you know, I really regret buying that because it was not something I wanted. And there are larger items that I wish I had saved for. So I mean, that's the, that's the kind of thing that you kind of have to let them explore. You know, as parents, we always say we don't want our kids to fall off the bike, but sometimes we have to let them fall. Yep. And so the same with money, you know, when it's in a kind of that safe environment, we need to let them try a few things out and so that they actually do learn that lesson.
1: The equation that I talk about is freedom Plus ownership equals practice, right? Give them the freedom to use it, right? Give them the ownership over that and they're gonna get some practice. Exactly. And what do we know about practice is that it doesn't make you perfect, but it definitely makes you better. Right. So. Just just get better, just better, 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 better.
0: Exactly, exactly. So
1: do you give them allowance? Do they earn money? Do you have set money conversations? What does it look like if we're at your table and having a money conversation? Sure. So chance? we
0: actually don't do allowance, not for any particular reason. We just never started it. So mine do earn money around around the house for certain chores and for certain things that they are responsible for. We also do have chores that are just part of their rent agreement, basically, right. um, because I don't think that they should have to earn money for everything they do around the house. Lord knows I don't. <laughs> but I do want them to understand earning, because as we know, that's the number one thing about financial literacy. We can't spend any money if we don't have any to spend. And, and I do see the difference, the relationship difference to that $5 that they earned which almost seems more special than the $20 Target gift card that they got for their birthday. And I understand that. Look, I the money I earn is certainly much more important to me because I know the hard work sure. that came from it. And so I do think that's an important lesson and we've done the, you know, the lemonade stands and I'm really proud that most of the time that we do those they're actually for charity. All on there you know, suggestion, not on ours. And so I think that's also really important is to teach your kids about kind of the world around them and how sometimes their earning is actually for the benefit of others, which I think is really great and and very relatable at a young age. So, yeah, we do talk a lot about, you know, not every minute. It's it's not something you kind of beat them over the head with because then eventually they're tuning out. But I think where certainly when my husband and I have conversations that are more foundational, deciding on a vacation or maybe times are tough. We can't do that vacation. We let them know that, look, adults have to make hard decisions sometimes. And so we don't want kids to think that everything is perfect when they grow up because, boy, then they're in for disappointment. <laughs>
1: Very true. <laughs> A website that we've found, we, we've really gotten a lot of good use out of it. It was called raise.com. There's a whole bunch of them. Like it's a, it's a gift card exchange. Mm-hmm. So a couple of months back, my, one of my daughters, I have a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old, both girls, and she came home and she was given a Starbucks gift card. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, here, daddy, said, what am I supposed to do with this? She said, well, for $20, can I have $20? I, said, I don't want that. <laughs> I said, well, well, I don't really want it either. And I said, well, you love Starbucks. Put it in your wallet. She's like, but no, I might not go to Starbucks for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I get it. So you're saying that, that you understand that you want the cash more than you want the card, right? right. I said, yes. I said, well, same here. So we went on to raise.com and we plugged in $20 Starbucks and she could sell it on there for $19. Oh, wow. And so I said, all right, well, here you go. This is the going rate. <laughs> this is right, what right. it's elsewhere. Would you like to sell it? And she did. And then in that case, I said, you know what? I'm not going to make you go through the, the paces of that. I'll get a discount. You know what? Fine. I'll give you the $19. And that's what I did. That's Thank you for $19 for the card instead of the, the 20 I love it. Right? But what a great learning.
0: exercise. And, and you let her make that decision. And she might have not made that decision, which was also fine as well. So, no, I love that. I'll have to look that up. Another thing that, you know, I think is really important is when you talk about kind of their future. We did a podcast the other day with a, a wonderful founder of a company that has made giving to 529 plans from family members and friends a lot easier. And I think that's also really important for, for families that are fortunate enough to be able to save for future education, whatever it might look like, is to let their kids you know, know that that's happening. We've been fortunate that we've had a few gifts from family members and we've made sure that our kids have thanked them for that, even though that's very intangible in their mind mm. that college is however far away and they never even saw the, the gift trans because all of that is electronic right, now. Sure, and sure. so it, they didn't physically get anything, nor do they see it. But we have explained to them that this is still a gift for you and very important. And so we need to thank your uncle, your grandparent for this.
1: Very nice. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I do have a friend actually who sits down, their they, three children, each of their 13 birthdays, they sit down and they go through every detail of their finances. Every detail. I was like, that was a little much for me, but... <laughs> I like the idea of sharing. There might be such thing as oversharing, but right, um, right. I'm, with exactly. you <laughs> I'm
0: with you on that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So look, Jessica, we all struggle with, with parenting also, right? We do there's things we do well, there's things we struggle with. So in the context of money, where do you think that you need to improve in teaching both of them?
0: Oh, my gosh. I think mine would tell you for me to stop talking.
1: <laughs> but what would you say? I, my kids would say the same. I'm sure of it.
0: They're like, Mom, my gosh, I get it. I know what a debit okay. and a credit card is. Would <laughs> stop telling me? <laughs> you know, that's, so, that's such an interesting question. That's like one of those interview questions. Well, what are your weaknesses? And you're trying yeah. to make it sound like it's actually a good thing. You know, I, I don't think I overshare. I, I hope that we don't. I, I hope that my kids aren't in any way stressed with financial decisions that, that me and my husband have to make. I do want them to understand that money at the end of the day is a value. It's something that translates into the value that they find most important. We certainly want them to understand the, the kind of time value of money and saving We encourage that. I could probably do a slightly better job of getting my younger one to save a little bit better. And that's something that we're going to work on. And my older one seems to have that down. But then he does, his most recent purchase was AirPods. And that was, my husband was looking at me like, you're letting him do this? This is $150. I said, yeah, but he's been saving for like eight months. Yep, You know, so also really having him understand that that was a big, purchase. So just, you know, I think even though they would certainly not, you know, want me to talk more about it is just continue to keep the lines of communication open and, and sharing as much as we can with our, our community and getting them to hopefully get to their peers the value of this. I mean, peer-to-peer is also really great way to, to engage. We talked about experiential you know, but when when kids do stuff that, that they deem is cool, you know, eventually you've got that groundswell movement. And and so hopefully my kids will be really engaged in this as well.
1: Great. Well, what about parents? What's something that you feel like, OK, just try this one thing this weekend? What can they do?
0: Just don't be afraid. I think you don't have to be the CPA. You don't have to be someone who is completely understanding of all of the vocabulary that comes along with money and don't be afraid to just try to look through how you make your decisions when it comes to your you know spending saving and whatnot to just bring your child into that conversation because I just don't think that happens enough I think that it is a parent's job or caregiver grandparents you know whomever is -hmm. is really the, the primary guardian It is our job to set those behaviors at an early age. And so as a parent, you're not going to always make the right decisions. And so being vulnerable to say this wasn't the right decision or, you know, maybe we shouldn't have purchased this or or whatnot. So really just just opening the door to those conversations is so important. And and to really, you know, kind of let that guard down a little bit, because I think for so long people have thought that, you know, money is private personal. We don't talk about it. And then unfortunately, because we don't talk about it, people are just making the same mistakes that their neighbors are making.
1: Yeah. So what's the end goal for fit money in terms of, okay, we've really achieved, we're never, our life's work is never done, done, right? But where we're like, wow, we've really hit that mark that we've been going for. And I would ask the same about your, you personally, your children, when will you know each of your babies, right? Your kids at home and the fit money baby that they've achieved what it is that you really want them to
0: right, right. I mean, we'd love to see obviously all fifty states with a graduation requirement because that at least guarantees that at some point before you are graduating high school you've got financial literacy, full k through twelve implementation, all fifty states, and that's going to be a long, long time away. so you know we're we're going to work towards that. We're going to continue to. It is really more of a grassroots movement because I do think it is you find that one teacher, you find that one principal that really believes passionately about this. And, and they are just starting to, to move in their own schools and the, and the strategic partnerships that we have, getting all of the Girl Scouts troops, getting all of the Boys and Girls Clubs, getting these people that, that reach so many young students' lives engaged in this and confident that they are the appropriate person to start talking about this. So that's something that that we're going to continue to do and and also create more content. The world is changing. The money universe is changing. There's now cryptocurrency. There's completely intangible money. I mean, I'm curious if in 10 years we're even still teaching nickels and dimes and dollar bills. You know, who knows if we'll still be there, but staying current with the landscape and what we're teaching and and certainly investing in what that looks like. So that's something Jessica, that Jessica, will... that
1: sounds so daunting. Do you have know a thousand people? I mean, how, how many people do you have working at Fit Money?
0: <laughs> we are a very lean team of about six or seven folks. But yeah, you know what? I think we're, it's it's about your passion and that's why partners are so great and coming on, on, on shows like yours where you're speaking the same language and you're advocates and just getting it out there that, People are empowered to do this in their homes, in their schools, in their youth centers. And that's all we ask for. Again, we're not trying to create 300 million accountants. And you don't right. have to be at that level.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare. To be able to have good money help. I know,
0: right? Thank goodness. What would be worse? 300 million lawyers. <laughs> but, but, you know, we just want people to just feel empowered. You know, I've talked to some folks that say, We're still going to make bad decisions. We're still going to buy that $1,000 iPhone that really we don't need. But at least you understand the impact that you're having on something else. We'd love to see in this economy, which is always going to be cyclical, there's going to be good times, there's going to be bad times. We'd just love to see a little bit more resiliency. Credit score is a little bit higher. Student loan debt, maybe not continuing to increase. Credit card debt starting to go down. That's going to take some time. But I think with people having the tools to make those decisions, we will start to see that.
1: It, so obviously, I can't wait for that for my teenagers. And you're not waiting for that for your kids, right? That's you know potentially even a whole generation mm-hmm. away. So what will success look like for you in your home for your kids?
0: I think once my kids are starting to, my son at 12 is only a couple years away from being able to officially work in Massachusetts It's 14. You can get your working papers. I encourage him to do so in a responsible way. I mean, certainly not more hours than there is time for school and sports and, and he's still a kid. But so you're not going to violate
1: any child labor laws? No, exactly the, nothing not. Like that. No, no, okay, no. no. That's, whether that's good whether idea.
0: it's legal or not. <laughs> okay. But, you know, earning is a huge component, like I said, of financial literacy and, and really understanding the value of that earned dollar. And so that's important to me and my husband we both worked i you know my parents owned their own business so i was working probably even before the the age of 14 but you know so that that's something that we want to instill in our kids is that earning is is on them we will provide for their needs for a long time but wants eventually translate into their their universe and then there's a lot of products out there that are now kind of marketing to their age group, the kind of debit cards for kids and investing yes. for kids. And we want them to be responsible. And certainly once they start to transition out of this very safe space, which is in our house, into that, now all of a sudden it's their credit report and their you know, credit score, really having them not make bad decisions that can really drastically affect their life.
1: Our starter course is really about parents sitting down, working with kids K through seven. I'm very much looking forward to the next one, which is really, okay, now that they're in middle school, what is that conversation like at the dining room table? So yes, there's all of these different debit cards, but Mm -hmm. they do a very poor job of, okay, this is how to use it responsibly. When you're at the dinner table and you're funding it, what do you say to your child? What are guidelines? How much should you give? Mm -hmm. Why? What do they do with that? So I'm very much looking forward to that because I think that guidance is really, really lacking out there right now.
0: We've actually had some conversations with a lot of the, the providers out there, and I'm very excited to say that they are very interested in that financial education component. I think when they were just kind of getting off the ground, that kind of might've been to check the box to say, we're gonna give you this card, but we also care about education. But right. I actually now am really seeing it in action. That's organizations comforting. That are creating their own, you know, whether it's through short videos or games or puzzles or wh- whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Because as you know, Alec, just having a card in your wallet doesn't make you financially literate. You could still make a right. lot of really bad choices.
1: It makes you financially dangerous.
0: It could, it, exactly. That's a good. Yeah, that's that's, that's right. a really good way to look at it. And so we also at Fit Money have had some conversations with with some providers about providing it from our, ourselves, tied to some reward system, if you will, if you. Do these quizzes or, or, or get these assessments, you know, maybe you get some extra points or get a discount at your favorite store or whatnot. And and that's great because incentivizing education is just as important. The one thing I say about financial literacy and personal finance, this is something that actually kids want to learn. This is not something they that do. you're really having to shove down their throat. You True. know, the kind of kids that don't like science that don't want to learn science or the kids that don't like in reading that don't want to read. We have yet to really find a lot of kids out there that aren't asking for this already. So to, to get this out there and put this in their hands, I think, is something that is going to be a no-brainer for them because they're actually looking for it.
1: So where can people go to find out more about Fit Money?
0: Pretty easy. We'd love them to come to our website, fitmoney.org. And we are on a lot of different social channels Twitter and Instagram and whatnot. And that's Learn Fit Money and engage with us. We've got a newsletter, we'd love to have people sign up. We are doing a podcast and trying to also be on others like yours. And really it's just about getting the word out there. It's not scary, it's not taboo. This is expected, we need to start talking about this.
1: Agreed. All right, last question is, so what words of wisdom would you give to a parent who has not yet taken the plunge into teaching their child about money?
0: So there are tools. And they're free. Don't expect that you have to pay for some massive amounts of education. It's little bit at a time, it's bite size. It's not all in one night, all in one weekend. It's not that immersive course. And there are great tools out there. We certainly offer some if you're a new parent to, like I said, that kind of K through six age person, have them play the super squad. That would be fun for them and for the parent to look over their shoulder. If the kids are already a little older, there are tools, bring them to a bank, open a savings account if you haven't already, or even savings account online. One of the most important things that we can teach a young person is the time value of money. Save early, early. I mean, we talk about retirement, how much better we'd all be if we started a retirement account the minute that we, we could do so. So I think that's really important and that's a real legacy that parents can leave for their children is to really think about not them just right now as seven-year-olds, but them as 70-year-olds and and how do we want to make sure that they can do things that, you know, perhaps their, their parents are really stressed and worried about today.
1: A wonderful message. Jessica, thanks for explaining Fit Money, for taking us into your living room. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, Alec. Anytime.
1: And thank you everybody for listening. I would remind you that as far as sense of responsibility goes, the best place to find out about our resources is senseofresponsibility.com. Of course, that's with the C, C E N T S. Sense of com slash resources. That's where you'll find the blog or podcast, links to the courses, all sorts of stuff. And of course, wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching, make sure you hit the little subscribe button, leave us feedback. That always helps with the algorithm. They say the algorithm. I don't understand what <laughs> the algorithm, but they say it helps. So if you could do that, that would be great. And leave us some feedback. And with that, everybody teach sensibly. We'll see you next time.